everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my books, my preaching, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. All right, friends, here we are with Ferg Breen. Hi, Ferg. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. So uh, Ferg is married, two kids. He's a counselor, psychotherapist. He is a lecturer and a pastor in Dublin, Ireland. And so my first question, Ferg, is how do you do all that stuff? Yeah, that's crazy. I, I'm a pastor, a daddy, and an author, and that's about all I can do. Yeah, that's a good question. That is a good question. Maybe we'll figure that out as we go. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. And also, uh, so another just right off the right off the bat, I see you're a huge fan of David Brent. So let's just do a quick compare and contrast Michael Scott versus David Brent. I mean, which which one pulls off the character better? Uh, now we're talking about The Office, of course, British mm-hmm. British version versus American version. Um, I have my own opinion with that, but I want to hear okay. yours. I'll give you a very concise version of my opinion. Okay. I think the first season of the U.S. office tries to copy the U.K. office. Yes. And it's terrible. Yes. It's just terrible. Yes. Because David Brandt is David Brandt and no one else can be David Brandt. But from season two on, the U.S. office, I see it actually as a completely different show. Yes. And I love it. Okay. I adore Michael Scott. And, oh. But Michael Scott is, is a little more redemptive than David Brandt. Yes. Yes. For me. I, I I love that because I, I agreed because I actually watched the British version first and loved it. I mean, Ricky Gervais mm-hmm. is so hilarious. I mean, I, I died laughing. And then uh, when Steve Carell, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But then you're right. I mean, the first season is an absolute redux and it's not funny. I mean, it's really yeah. not funny. So yeah. they kind of find their own. They find their own right mm-hmm. on their own way and stuff. Okay. So um, what I thought I'd do, uh, what I thought we'd do together, Ferg, is uh, I I have uh, been wanting to talk to you for a long time. We've had it set up and then I dropped the ball, but I'm so glad we're back on. But I want to throw out to you different words because I know you're a really uh, deep thinker when it comes to all things spirituality. And so I'm going to throw out a bunch of words, almost free Mm -hmm. association-like, and I'd like you to just vamp on them. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So first word revolutionary talk to me about <laughs> revolutionary my yes. friend Go. Um, super well my friend scott he's he's a super thinker and he thought about he came up with the idea of doing a blog about the lectionary yeah and he wanted to be i guess slightly revolutionary so he comboed them and called it the revolutionary so there are four of us who take each week and we write a blog post about the upcoming lectionary uh, uh, verses for the Sunday, which is a wonderful idea. So I was I was delighted when Scott asked me to be a part of that. And I'm curious, do you guys follow the revised common lectionary or which which? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. OK. So any any Genesis fans out there um, or people that follow the lectionary, I'm going to put the link on my show notes so that you all can read uh this because I've read several posts and I actually love it. I think it's a really fresh. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I, you're welcome. I love it. I think it's fresh. I think it's, um, I think it gets in your face a little bit in a very good way. And I think it's a view of, mm-hmm. it's a view of Jesus that, and I think especially for um, me and as, me as an American and other Americans, I, I, I just think getting a, getting a non-American view of spirituality and Jesus is so, is so good. So yeah. 
So I, I will put the link there. Okay, second word for justice. Oh, justice. George MacDonald's essay on justice. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, oh, justice is huge. It's interesting. Just today I was sitting with someone and they feel this graven sense of justice about what has happened to them in their life and they just feel it isn't fair. Yeah. And they're right in yeah. terms of what has happened to their life. And I, and I think for me... I would have had a, a wrong understanding of justice for a long time, mm. unbeknownst to myself, unconsciously, it would have been retributive justice. Yes. So ultimately, there will come a day and and God will take care of those who are against him, mm. because how dare you sin against a, a big holy God? And now, in some ways, there's truth to that. But ultimately, that God is going to come back and get his vengeance. Mm. I heard that verse, vengeance is the Lord's, yep. so I better watch my step. But as I've journeyed more into the heart of Abba, I've realized that actually justice is restorative. Mm. Justice makes things new mm. and ultimately makes them as if what had happened in the first place never happened. And how he does it, I don't know, but that's, that's what I believe. So with this young girl who's sitting in front of me today who feels such injustice in my heart, I'm like, oh, there will come a day where it is as if that never happened to her. Mm. Wow. Justice for me is restorative. I love that. I love that. And I think especially, I mean, you're Irish. You are Irish. And so with the history of the troubles mm -hmm. and what you've gone through to, to, um, to have that view, I think is really beautiful. Um, to have Sometimes it's easier said than done <laughs> because, because I know for me, if someone wrongs me, I, I want to, I want them to get theirs. Yeah. And, and I realize sometimes our theology is kind of like the Bible is like a Rorschach blot test yeah. where it reveals more about us than it does about the Lord. Yes. And, and, I, and I think that's a big piece for me. I, I think I'm, I'm always trying to get back to, okay, Abba is, is about restoration. Okay, so what's my heart in this? Well, I want them uh, to get payback. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's really the heart of the Lord. Well, and, and that's where, gosh, I, I, I love all those pictures. The, when we read the scriptures and we seem to make them, see, make them say what we want them to say, it's like Rorschach, <laughs> versus what would it look like to read them through the lens of this idea that God is always all about restorative justice? Yes. Uh, for me, for you. And I think if there is not justice for my enemy, then there ultimately isn't justice for me either. I mean, there's there's not restoration for me if there isn't restoration for him. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so good. OK. Uh, next word. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh, I'm just so taken by Jesus. Uh, I I. But I find him so thoroughly offensive. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he, I think I used to because he used to agree with most things I agreed with. He was easier to get along with. <laughs> but, but the more I'm journeying, the more I'm like, oh Jesus, you really call me to something that's just hard. Yeah, it's hard, and you love the people that I don't know if I want to love. Yeah, and that's and that's huge. But the more I read into Scripture, and the more I hear stories of people encountering real love in Jesus' name, I'm just so moved. 
Yeah. And and even the other day, uh, I've been taken again with the story of Judas. Um, and I'm really just taken with that moment when Judas comes to betray him and Jesus calls him his friend. Yes. In that moment. It's not after the fact. No. It's in the moment. I'm like, oh, Jesus, that is just stunning. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah I, go on. I was going through some of your recent Facebook posts. And did you not write about this as well? In, 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 or maybe I'm confusing it with some of your Facebook posts about that. But there's a, there's a George MacDonald quote that sort of says, I, I, I believe at the end of the day, Judas um, yeah. felt the love and forgiveness of God. Yes. Um, and I actually, in, in, this, in, the, in the upcoming book that I'm writing, I, I wrote a midrash of, of Judas as if wow. it, it turned out the other way. And yeah. um, so because I think if there's not restoration for him, then we can just write in this damnation story for anyone who ever makes a mistake mm-hmm. and betray. And which one? Mm-hmm. Who? Who of us have not betrayed Jesus? That, exactly, and all the guys did. Yeah, all that's did. the yeah. piece. They, they, mo- most of them did, and and so even the story of of Peter and we get the beautiful redemptive moment. And I'm just like, why do I need to scapegoat Judas? Yeah, and I think the reason I like to do that is because really I like to put other people in leagues with him, so I get to scapegoat the people I don't like. And be like, well, look what happened to Judas. Yes. And I, I remember the first time I read, I'm not sure how long it was, that piece by George MacDonald, and I, I wept. I was so moved because I never really heard anyone say, hey, hey, Jesus makes all things new. Let's think of that in light of. Judas. Now we don't know, we speculate, but what we do is we know the heart of the Lord. Yes. And he is the Lord's friend. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if if we think about Jesus on the cross, um, and I think that can mean a lot of things. The atonement can mean a lot of things. It takes a lot on a lot of shapes and a lot of a lot of pictures, a lot of metaphors for uh for the atonement, but when you think about Jesus on the cross as it mm-hmm. relates to restorative justice, um, what is what is your view of what happens there? Wow. Well, I'm moved by how he speaks, mm. and I'm I, I remember the first time uh, I can't remember how it came out if I read something or, uh, but that piece where he in his full humanity, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's that just piece full stop. Where he's like, oh, this is just horrific and awful. But if if we see what he's doing in terms of what he's quoting, and he's quoting Psalm 22, nearly goading, hey, read the rest of this. Yes. Wait and see what I'm what I am doing here. And that just moves me great. There's always more when he speaks. And the fact that there he is on the cross, naked, who knows what is going on in that moment. It is not pretty, and he's he's there, and he can look. Again, it's not after the fact. In the middle of it, he's able to say, Father, forgive them. Mm. They, they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And for me, the fact that he would willingly surrender to our violence mm. 
it it moved it really moves me more than anything that he would because he could i mean he could command his angels yeah he just could and and i think what what astounds me is that god we we committed deicide we killed god we did mm-hmm. the worst thing that we could ever do and he comes back and doesn't seek vengeance yeah he comes back and says peace be with you i i in some ways that drives me insane because i'm like really <laughs> but actually that's what moves me most about jesus is that he comes back and he turns violence on its head and he's like this is not how we do things in the kingdom hmm. it is peace that we bring and if it means we have to surrender to the violence of the world that is what jesus did which hmm. i just i i find it stunning absolutely stunning but i'm i'm moved by by his his willingness to obey the father even though they're in leagues together yeah but his, his surrendered heart is, is beautiful it is and even that is offensive um i mean in a way i mean it's it, it moves me as well but it, it it's it's offensive in that it it reveals my <laughs> my self-centeredness um mm-hmm. and but then it drives me back to it drives me back to the to the to the heart of God, I think too. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, okay, next word, Ireland. Ireland. Uh, I I like Ireland. <laughs> I like Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I I I really like living here. Um, we've a. I love our history. I love our heritage. We've come through a lot. Um, I think. I think we have a lot of maturity, um, but I also think we have a lot to learn in what it means to celebrate each other's success, in what it means to be okay with complimenting ourselves and complimenting other people's. We're we're pretty cynical bunch, <laughs> which can make for really good humor and really good banter. Um, but I know a lot of people who come into my room they don't really know who they are yeah because i don't know how good we are at championing each other which it feels like america does that pretty well um where well well from from an outsider where hey you can be anything you want to you can be president all this kind of stuff which actually isn't necessarily true but yes it's not but yeah but well maybe i don't really like the sentiment but there's something in it where you're mm. it feels like there's a positivity we're over here what well, i'll tell you an example bono yeah there was a year where and this is no word of a lie the same magazine did a poll and the most loved person in ireland was bono and the most hated person in ireland <laughs> is bono yes we're like, yeah. so if we're away we're like yeah bono's amazing but at the same time when we're in ireland we're like who does he think he is yeah get yeah. above his best um, so there's, a, there's a bit of that in ireland but but i would be afraid if ireland was the biggest country i say america uh, uh we have there's a lot of politics over here that isn't pretty as well yeah tell me it about just, tell me about the church in ireland and and then tell me about your church the church in Ireland, I, I actually only read something just last week that in Ireland, so in America, if you lapse, say, as a Catholic, you will most likely move denomination. Yeah. So you become 
Baptist or a Presbyterian. In Ireland, if you lapse as a Catholic, you're done. Hmm. You are done with church. And, and I, I think it's hard for someone outside of Ireland to, to realize quite the grip Catholicism had in Ireland. And it, it's given Catholicism a very, very bad rap because of the sectarianism that was here where the Republic is Catholic, the North is Protestant, and effectively they're two different religions. Yeah. Not denominations, two different religions, which thankfully I've grown to realize is not true. Right. So the, the church in Ireland has been very fractured. Very People are very mistrusting because trust was misused. Yes. And rightly so. Um, but sometimes what happens, uh, I, I've realized that a lot of people are asking questions. There's a lot, and I love questions. Yeah. But it feels like the church is still afraid of questions and and even pro progressive maybe should i say charismatic churches who you would think that they're petrified of questions yeah and i find that very sad because people don't people do not want to be indoctrinated yeah people want to to journey and they want to see mistakes and they want to see people be wrong and they want to dialogue and they want to wrestle. And there are a few wonderful people who are pushing that kind of narrative. Um, but it feels it, it feels like it's not prevalent that people are allowed to just question and journey. Yeah. Yeah. What what about the church you're involved in and that you pastor? Yeah. So we've been um, doing community for I guess five and a half years now. Yeah. And then there's, I guess, of course, it's a longer story in terms of how it came about, but that's one of our, one of our core values is that it's, it's okay to be where you are today. Yes. That's okay. Whatever that means in terms of it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be in a season of celebration. It's okay to be in a season of pain. It's okay to wonder, does God even exist? It's also okay to pray for healing and miracles. It's okay but we're all in this together. Yeah. And are we okay with the tension of other people are in different places than where we're at? So that's something we hold really dearly. But we've gone after our questions. And some, if you were talking to someone else in church, they may say, for better. Someone else may say, maybe for worse. <laughs> but sometimes it's important where the pastor just says, this is what we believe. Yeah, um, I'm not too quick to do that um so we've had a few people over as well to help us on our way um but i think our biggest thing is and in some ways it sounds cliche but it is people this relationship is is really key for us and just really trying to figure out how how in the midst of our questioning i think things that we don't shy away from is how can we be jesus to the people we meet how can we do that? And how do we strip away our prejudices, our preconceived notions of people groups and actually go right in there and, and love with no agenda? Yep, yep. Not even, hey, so they'll come to church or so they'll come to know Jesus, but actually just love and trust that Holy Spirit is always at work. That's not our job. Our job is to love our neighbor. So that's been a big journey for us. Beautiful. And we've swung a big pendulum swing, which is a far longer conversation, but we would have started pretty heavily charismatic. Mm -hmm. 
and we would still consider ourselves, you know, I'm open to all things of the spirit, but I think I would look back and say it was possibly a little charismaniac. Sure. Um, so that's been a huge, a huge journey. And, and some of it we've had to grieve some stuff and other stuff where we kind of chuckle at our naivety. Yeah. Um, but there's been a, there's been a huge shift as well, theologically for us as a family. Wow. You want to talk more about that from maybe charismania to what? Um, well, I guess uh, we would have, and I guess it's, there would have been a big piece of, we would have gone after healing yep. and mind you, I still believe in healing, but we would have gone after it. We would have, I would have assumed that because I'm doing well with the Lord, that I will prosper yeah. effectively. So I'm doing effectively the right stuff. I'm fasting, I'm praying, we're doing well, I'm loving my neighbor. So of course I'm going to be blessed. Yeah. And then I, I guess of as I look at the tragedies around the world and my theology starts to deconstruct, I'm just like, I, I actually just can't get behind that. Yeah. And I realized that some of it was sweet naivety, but I also think there was a bit of, as Richard Rohr would talk about, the first phase of life. Yep. That I hadn't fallen upwards yes. <laughs> yet. I think a lot of it was ego. And I, and I didn't realize at the time because I, I think most of it was with a, a, a good heart. But I would have probably thought uh, that we we had something that most other people didn't have. Sure. And and that kind of pains me to say that. But that would have been a big part of our, that. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Falling off the wall. Um, that we would have got it a little more than others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I love what Roar says that um, it is our very ego that God uses to help us see more and more of the really, really good stuff. Once we see the ego, then that can get shattered and we can say, oh, God, you know, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that very most of our even good things that we do we do out of a bad motivation anyway, you know? <laughs> so, so, um, and when we realize that it's like this, I think, you know, you mentioned chuckling at yourselves. I, I think that's one of the great graces that we can say, we can look back and say, man, five years ago, five and a half years ago, this is what it was all about. And yeah. God's grace enables us to keep learning and keep growing. And here we are still now. And maybe we're here now, even because we were in that less than good place back then. Um, mm -hmm. which I, I think is beautiful. I mean, I, I, yeah. I rest in that because that means I don't have to have a perfect motivation for anything that I do before I do it for God. I know that at least half of it is my ego. Um, and that maybe, you know, next year it'll be 47% my ego, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I think one of, the, one of the things that's been really, really lovely for me is realizing that we are part of one big massive church yes that it's not about well we've got it so hopefully people will come out of their terrible dead museum like churches i'm like no so like we've been following the lectionary and that's been so free who would have thought i i never thought i would have said that five yeah. years ago yeah. that following the lectionary would be beautifully free and feeling that we're part of something bigger yes 
and diversity and different types of churches and that has been stunning like one member or one person who who's really deep in our community i remember a few months ago he he said you know i i know i can take communion with catholics now and that may sound kind of trouble but that's huge and those moments i'm like oh this is stunning yeah. This is this is really beautiful that we have a far broader range of brothers and sisters than what I thought we had. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I would echo your sentiments around the lectionary and the universal church almost verbatim. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I've felt over the last two and a half years as we follow the lectionary. I've never done it before, and yet it's this huge, explosive and stunning um, as you say. Uh, exploration to who God is and who our brothers and sisters are. I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, well, the next the next word was going to be church. So maybe uh, I'd love to hear you vamp a little bit more about uh, what you see in the church, both now and in the future. You know, as you kind of look out at the landscape of where we've been and where perhaps we're going. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? A little part of me feels like you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it, it's something we've really been talking about. Like yeah. what, what, sometimes I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, why are we, why are we doing what we're doing? And the bare bones of it is we're, we're really trying to love Jesus as best as possible. Yep. And ultimately, so that pours out of us to, to the people around us. Yeah. That, that's the big piece. And in terms of the church, I think if the church doesn't allow people to come exactly as they are with all their questions, uh, I, I get really worried about it. Yep. Like we've had people come to us from bigger churches around the city, kind of, hey, don't tell anyone we're here. Yeah. But we have all these questions yeah. and we don't know where to go with them. And I've seen a couple of your Facebook posts or I know this person who knows you and what do you think about this? And we just let them talk. I, I very rarely would give an answer because that's not for me to give. Um, but we'll just kind of talk it through. And, and that's a, a big piece I think the church needs to kind of let go of trying to control what people think. And it's such a biblical principle. Hey, just stop clinging on for that's the garden. Yes. When you're reaching to know, well, we know, so therefore. And I'm like, no, guys, we actually don't know. I mean, there are certain bits we know, like we fully affirm the Nicene Creed and things like that. And, but there's so many things that actually are negotiable. Yes. yes. And up for discussion. And even if you think it's not up for discussion, it's up for discussion. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so let's do that. Uh, so uh, I would get worried about that piece with the church is, is the fear of questioning. Um because for me, I'm like, hey, Holy Spirit's in all of this. So we can trust him if, with people's questions. Um, it's why people are drawn to so many podcasts. But at the same time, I'm really hopeful for the church. Yeah. I, I really am because it's been trucking along for a couple of thousand years. And to think, because I used to think, I guess, that we were the ones who were going to change Ireland. And <laughs> uh, now I'm like, no, you know what? The Lord is in the business of changing Ireland. Yeah. And we just get to change. Well, no, we just get to be Jesus to those in front of us. Yeah, that's that's what we're called to do. And and there's a few other really brilliant pastors and people that I meet with. And we have 
worship gatherings and we pray together. And so I, I am really, I am really hopeful uh, in the midst of, because I think a lot of people feel they don't fit if they can't be themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, Hey, pastors, let people be themselves. It's okay. Don't yeah. be so afraid. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't say an amen louder. Uh, I really agree. And I think, I actually think, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, the Irish church, the other, but in the American church, definitely we're, we're at this place where, especially I, I would say the evangelical church, uh, where if we can't let go of some of those things that really aren't uh, absolutely essential, if we can't let go of those things, we are going to absolutely, well, I was going to say, we're going to lose those people. And we probably are. And then the church will reinvent itself as it's been doing for, you know, mm -hmm. 2000 years now. And because mm -hmm. it's the Lord's church, but it would be, but I think there's an opportunity, as you say, to uh, center on Jesus and loving Jesus and loving others and really allowing people uh, to enter in as they are. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I love that. I love how you said that. So uh, from there, let's go to Eucharist. Oh, wow. Eucharist. Well, I guess we've been learning. I, mem I remember church I, I used to go to and, and great people. And I used to, I was on leadership and used to do the worship. And it would usually, when it came to communion time, it was like, hey, can we pass around the baskets and the juice? And there would be a token song about the cross and off you go. And, and that's just what we did. And I remember there was a moment I was like, hang on a minute, what are why are we okay with being so flippant with this moment yeah where we're it feels like it's it's far more symbolic than i ever realized and i think growing up in a country which was catholic and so many in the church were petrified that we would even broach transubstantiation or any of that stuff they were like oh should we just yeah. have a bit of bread and a bit of juice thanks jesus and off we go in the rest of our service sure now i'm like oh we are partaking in something huge yeah we really are even in in, in what we're doing and i think it's been that's been quite sobering for me and i would i would like to think us as a as a church family in terms of what we're partaking in and again it's also it's part of the universal church yeah the eucharist is what we is, is what we partake in and feels like i think in that moment it's it's a sobering remembrance it's a centering yeah it's a remembrance and a centering of this is a quintessential part of our faith and for me everyone is welcome at the table yeah and that's that's a big piece for me within churches in terms of we should all be welcome to the Lord's table. And I've often wondered, and this could be pure heresy, so forgive me, but that piece where I always used to think when David says, you know, you prepare a table for me in front of my enemies, for me, that's effectively, I will be eating a big tasty steak and all those who have done a disservice to me will be over the other side. Yep. And I will be nearly like lauding it over them. But we don't get to have enemies. Nope. Part of me wonders, now David may have meant something, 
But in a redemptive sense, with that text, I just wonder, is it, you prepare a table for me in front of my enemies, which means I'm in front of my enemy, yep. which means I am face-to-face -face with my enemy. So my enemy may ask, can I pass them the salt? And then we start talking, and I hear their story, and then all of a sudden we're neighbors, and then maybe we're reconciled. Yes. And that, to me, is what the Eucharist represents that there's a piece of Jesus that unifies us because we all need us. Yes. We all need us. And I, th I think there's no better environment than a table to represent the unifying work of Jesus. Because mm -hmm. uh, you're right. When we sit down with one another, there's just something that we pass the cup, we pass the meat, we pass the bread, we pass whatever. Mm -hmm. There, there, and and we have even a minuscule amount of openness toward the other, even just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Things can happen that are reconciling and that are beautiful. And when we don't sit at table with the other, then mm -hmm. you know, then we're just free to to go about our business and have enemies. You know, I mean, really. So, yeah. um, and I do. I think, go ahead. Sorry. And another another big piece as well for me that I've realized is in some ways I'm okay with taking it myself, but a big piece for me is allowing someone else to administer it to me. Wow. And I didn't realize that was a thing for me, but it's a, for me, it's a real surrendering of, of control and effectively admitting that I need it. Yes. And that's big for me. That's good. That's good. Ah, love it. Okay. Ready for the next word? Mm -hmm. Hope. Hope. Oh, hope is, I think hope is one of the most, well, maybe the most important thing. It, we need hope. It's not an optional extra. We need it. Even when I sit with people in my, in my counseling office, one of the greatest gifts I can give them is hope. Yeah. Is if they can come away and realize that there is hope that their circumstances can change. And Hope for me is is a person. It it's Jesus, and I trust him when he says he's making all things new. And sometimes we mightn't see that this side of eternity, for want of a better phrase. But hope, I think hope can be in the moment, but ultimately it's eschatological. Sure, it is in that whatever we are going through, that one Jesus knows. He's with us. He's possibly weeping over what is going on, but he is making all things new. And there will come a day, there will come a day when we see hope and we get the full outworking of what it means. Um, and it's interesting. I was only talking to a friend about this the other day where I had this girl come to me and she's got chronic anxiety and she said her she's been to three different counselors and none of them have worked out. And she says, you know, I've had false hope. And I was like, hope is never false. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're disappointed and that's okay. And I get it. Um, and it, it really got me thinking after I'd sat with her in terms of hope is only false when we're disappointed and we look back on it. Yeah. But there's something about knowing a hope that, Jesus is in all things working to reconcile. Yeah. So hope is Jesus for me. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
You know, and I, I've heard someone uh, compare and contrast the word hope with expectation. You know, so if we have an expectation uh, mm-hmm. and it and we get disappointed, you know, yeah. uh, then it's absolutely circumstantial. So we expect mm-hmm. a certain things to happen. It doesn't happen. We get disappointed. But hope feels qualitatively different, um, especially relationally. You know, I can hope that my friend Ferg actually answers the Skype call when I, you know, uh, yeah. but damn it, if I expect him to, anyway, uh, bad example, but uh, but I think there is a difference between hope and expectation. Um, mm-hmm. All right, next word, uh, and I'd like you to not necessarily be nice on this one unless you feel like you have to be, uh, but America. America. Um, oh, wow. Um, frightens me. Yeah genuinely frightens me and we i've been at least 10 15 times i've friends dear friends who live there we want to visit again yes um, but but I, i'm genuinely afraid yeah uh, like and and what i think one of the biggest things that makes me afraid if if you don't want me to hold back is the evangelical church's response to what's going on at the moment Yes, it it genuinely disturbs me, and I could be wrong. That's sure. the thing. I I, sure. I may have this all way off, but I'm just like, really, church, are are we actually doing this? And what really disturbs me is when people use the name of the Lord to proselytize certain people in what's going on at the moment. I find that very difficult to get behind it, and. Like the other day, I, I I wept thinking about a church I'd be very close to and would have been to a few times, and and their senior pastor effectively was talking about what the Lord has been saying about certain senior figures. I'm like, oh no, don't do that. Yeah, please don't do that. That's that's really scary. What you're doing, um, because it's not about people can vote for whoever they like. Yep. Yep. For me, when you bring the name of the Lord into something, I'm like, oh, you got to be so careful. One of my favorite people, um, who I think is possibly one of the closest people to the Lord I've ever met, mm. he would say he's felt the Lord speak to him about three or four times. Yeah, like total. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think he talks to him all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, America has so much beauty, so much richness, but it feels like it is blind to the fact that it has catastrophic negative consequences with its foreign policy. Yes. And it and it it's it finds it hard to look in on itself without making excuses. And I'm like, I don't know if there are certain excuses for things that you have done i think repentance is is what's needed right from the foundation of the country yes um but i love america because it it is it is there is so much beauty but it frightens me at the moment yeah well thank you Uh, it's so well said i i sort of hoped and knew in my heart that you would have that kind of response because i think someone that uh, loves Jesus and is looking from the outside in with love to your friends in America to be able to have that kind of a word, I think is so important because it is, I, I like you and I'm here. I am at one point 
unbelievably angry and then unbelievably sad. And then I start thinking stupid things like, well, I'm going to change everything with, you know, this whole new, no, 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 no. That's, you know, that's not the, that's not the right response, but, um, but it is, it is a scary time in which we live. Uh, it, it, it is really interesting. It um, feels like at the moment, those who are calling themselves prophets are not exactly, but, but those who are humbly just going about loving the Lord, loving the other and the marginalized and certain authors who have been releasing books and speaking and are getting a bit of traction. I'm like, they're your prophets, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. yep. Not those who are effectively joining in their big giant apostolic network with profit written on their business card. I'm like, nah, no, nope. that's, that doesn't cut it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last word. Last mm-hmm. word, unless we come up with more. I mean, we could come up with more, but last word, Ferg. Ferg. Yeah. Uh, well, Ferg means courage. Ah, I didn't know that. Beautiful. Which neither did I. Okay. Which is a big piece. I didn't realize I had courage. And that's actually been a journey for me when I realized what my name was. And that's something I would have learned from our our dear friend, Rabbi Allen. Yes. Um, Big was, shout out to Rabbi Alan. Hello, Alan. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful soul. I agree. Um, so yeah, Ferg. I I feel like I, Ferg has been on a huge journey, mm. and and part of it is just uh, so much freedom and joy. And my greatest joy is being a husband and a father. Oh, those kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love those kids. My goodness, it changed everything. It it really does, yeah. even in terms of the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And 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 Jane is Jane really does bring the best out of me. Mm. You know, and she challenges me really well, uh, but she champions me like no other. She really believes in me and that's I love that. Yeah. Um sometimes fur gets a bit like, Oh, this life is hard. Yeah a lot of responsibility and i'm sitting with i don't know at least 20 people this week who are coming to me wanting me to help them on their journey and and i don't take that lightly ever and i think sometimes that can mean it's it's pretty intense days yeah Um, because like one like this morning i genuinely was fighting back the tears when some seven-year-old ladies telling me her story and i'm like oh my goodness this is just hard yeah hard um but i love to have fun i really like to laugh i i love life i love my friends i love music um good food i love to think i i sometimes possibly spend more time in my head than is good for Oh, I'm losing you, Ferg. Like sometimes, my oh, we're back. Are yes, we we're back. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm trying to be more. Courageous. I'm trying to live more of what my name is, and oh, that is good. to be a little more courageous. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Um, wow. I, I and I, I like that. I like, I like the picture of living into your name. Mm-hmm. Uh, at actually at church this last week at our church a couple days ago. Um. We were talking about Zacchaeus because that was the lectionary, the gospel text last week. And um, so Zacchaeus means righteousness. 
comes comes from Tzedek, you know, and and so here's the story of this guy who cheats everybody, but his name is righteousness. So I asked the question, uh, what does it mean that that righteousness cheats everybody? And someone's answer was, it means you can live into your name, right? That there's time to live into your name, that there's space, that today is not necessarily what tomorrow will be, you know? Um, so as you sit with clients and as you, uh, as you write and as you pastor, um, may you live into your name, uh, courage, man, that is beautiful. One of the, I'll tell you a mildly funny story. When we, we were traveling, this is back in 2009 and we were, oh no, this is a little bit later. Anyway. And Jane really felt that the Lord, which is one of those few rare moments, but that the Lord talked to her about our kids wow. that we hadn't had yet. Whoa. Yes. And he told her that our our firstborn son was going to be called Nehemiah. Whoa. And I remember she was telling me this. And I was like, Nehemiah, that's a, a big <laughs> name for a little guy. Um, and and we were kind of talking to the Lord about it, kind of laughing, and and we really felt that the Lord was like, listen, you can call him whatever you like, but his name is Nehemiah. Oh, because he is going to be a comforter. Wow. We're like, oh, okay, this is stunning. Um, so for my son, he, I know, and I gotta trust the Lord in his journey because there'll be plenty of times where I'm like, ah, yeah. But he's a comforter. That's who whoa, he is. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wow, that's beautiful. I, I've heard just one or two other times where, well, uh, Alan, Alan's story of his son Noah, um, there, there, there's a similar moment there where he, Abba, talks to him and says, you know, and then, so you know Noah, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he lives into his name too. That So, of course, you named him Nehemiah. Yeah. Ah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Uh, Love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, well, Ferg, thank you, my friend. Um, thanks for your passion. For uh, the, the people are going to be uh, encouraged by hearing this. I know they are. And so, um, can you? So, like, where can they go to read more of your stuff? Um, do you have a website? Do you? I mean, I can. I can. I'll definitely send people to the Revelectionary. I love that. Mm-hmm. But. Are there other places where people can read your stuff? Yeah, I'm, my website is, is mainly fergbreen.com, but that's kind of my counselor hat website. Okay. Um, I guess Twitter and Facebook is where I kind of dialogue and discourse between sports, humor, and theological stuff. And, and I guess part of my courage is I, I kind of want to be a bit more vocal. Hmm. Not confrontational vocal, just more... I guess I'm. I have been a little afraid to say, "Hey, this is kind of what I believe at the moment." Yeah. Um, for fear, but I feel like the time has come where I'm like, "Hey, mm. this is me. Mm. I'm all I've got, and mm. I just want to put some thoughts out there." Love it. I think you should. I I love how you think. 
Um, this has been great. I mean, I've been encouraged. You know, it's 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 so funny. Like I, when I started this podcast, I just I had no idea I would interview people, and I just had some thoughts. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of like you, I just said I want to put some stuff out there, mm-hmm. and then I started I started doing these things and talking to people. And when I hang up, I, I I'm just almost vibrating because it's so I, it's just so uh, for me encouraging to to speak to like minded people and to uh, remember that man, life is, life is really, really rich and there mm-hmm. is hope and God is mm-hmm. doing something and God unites us together across the ocean. And, uh, it's just good. It's good, man. Yeah, so, um, and, and as I, I don't say this lightly, but you have been a great encouragement to, mm. to me personally, my family and our, our church community mm. uh, in terms of your, your writing, your book is stunning. Mm. Oh, we love your book. Mm. Um, so thank you. I'm wow. really glad we connected. Wow. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. And uh, I mean it. I in the next, I have one of my great goals in the next five years before I'm 50 is to make it to Ireland. So, uh, I'll hold you. When I do, I I expect um, a, a little pub. Uh, expect you know. slash hope. <laughs> no, I'm gonna expect this one. <laughs> No, you're allowed to expect that one because I'll okay. come through one. Okay. Uh, well, Ferg, thanks so much, man. Um, I always end my podcast by saying this thing. We're dust and breath. Uh, we're limited and limitless. We're human and holy and we're in together. And I, I feel grateful to have a new friend and be in together with you and uh, look forward to when our paths will cross next. So, thanks, Steve. Thanks, my friend.